Welcome to LilyPod episode 63, Loving Boldly with Becky McIntosh. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Welcome to LilyPod if you're listening and LilyTube if you're watching. We have a special guest today. Her name is Becky McIntosh. She is the author of Love Boldly, Embracing Your LGBTQ Loved Ones and Your Faith. Experience Becky's journey and witness how her faith allowed her to embrace her religion and her gay son. She'll tell you that the answer to every question and conflict is love. Becky's a popular speaker, well-known for her inspirational stories, honest approach, and open heart. She is married to Scott McIntosh, the neighborhood boy who lived near her childhood home and grew up to be her husband. They have seven children and 16 grandchildren and counting. Becky found herself becoming more open about her experiences as a Latter-day Saint mother of an LGBTQ loved one receiving emails and calls from other concerned parents as well as the LGBTQ children themselves. Since then, she has armed herself with tools such as mental health first aid, as well as grief support um, and QPR. The Macintosh family was filmed for the Mormon and Gay website, a video that now has over a million views, um, which we actually watched the other day. It was awesome. Um, and we'll provide a link in the description of this episode. Welcome, Becky McIntosh. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you. Becky, um, I'd like to ask you sort of out of the gate um, a question about that part of the, your book title on faith. Um, <clears throat> I know that the people we typically work with are, are divorced, sometimes widowed. Occasionally, there's somebody who's not um, ever had the chance to marry it uh, yet. The question then is, I mean, I think particularly with respect to divorcees, um, a lot of them don't feel like they have a place in the church. And feel like, well, gee, the pinnacle of all of our, of our ordinances is temple marriage and that an eternal family is what exaltation means to us. And I, I think it's got to be true that many of those issues are also applying to people in the LGBTQ community. Yes. And I think, you know, we need to lean into more into sensitivity and making space for all. And um, I think the, the reality is more um, kind of 
outside the ideal or the perfect there are no perfect families <laughs> not even in the scriptures which i i love so much that that there aren't you know perfect families in in the in the scriptures they're filled with with imperfect people um dealing with so much so many of the same challenges and stuff that that we are are dealing with and uh those that are able to um pull their families together or to make it through those tough challenges are those that are that are turning to god and walking in, in faith so i find great hope from that but you you're so right like um so many feel uh othered or they don't fit and so we need to to do better at creating that space and reaching out and be sensitive to to people around us that that may be having a faith crisis or have gone through a divorce or are separated or have a lgbtq loved one and uh you know be sensitive to those needs so when we're when we're teaching a lesson or here's something that maybe is insensitive to turn that turn it around and add that that loving piece and recognize that not everybody well no one has there's no two journeys alike that that everyone has a, a different um path and different we all have different things that we need to to learn and grow and and experience in life and um we need all to come and all to come together and under christ and to help to lift and support each other I love that. And I, I think you started with lean, lean into, I don't even remember what you said, but em empathy, compassion, understanding, and love. Like you said, the answer to all things. Um, yeah. I think what you said, the, the answer to all, to every question. It really is simple. Like the love, answer to everyone love. question and that love. And, and I, I have a, a daughter who went, went through a divorce, you know, that was not on her her vision board she married the return missionary in the temple like mm. that was not in her vision board having a son come out as gay that was not on my vision board <laughs> like there's so many scenarios that we didn't plan for and and that's okay it's like this is the reality of my situation and how am i going to move forward in the the best positive way and and um for me, you know, loving, love boldly, like the title of my book, Love Boldly, means just that, like leaning in to that love. It's and it's strengthening relationships, which are most important, you know, our family relationships and and e even outside of our our family circles, but those relationships within our family are so important. So um when something is not the ideal, that's okay. That is okay like how are we going to move, move forward and make the very best out of this can you can you define for us what loving boldly means to you and why yeah. you have that title maybe too yeah i kind of touch on that it's loving boldly I, and i think the savior was the greatest exemplar of that he lived a life of loving boldly he reached out to the marginalized the sick the afflicted like he lived a life Lepers, of loving yeah boldly and that's what it means like love boldly like lean into love every situation and circumstance respond from a place of love compassion empathy like love boldly don't be afraid to to love to lean into that love 
Becky, when your son came out to you, I, I mean, I'm sure that was a, a, a shock. I don't know, maybe you suspected it. Uh, but were you instantly kind of in this loving space or has this been a journey? It was, it was a shock, yeah. Um, a thought that had kind of crossed my mind because he wasn't um, pursuing girls. A lot of girls were pursuing him, <laughs> but he was like, oh, I don't have time. I'm, you know, I was a straight A student and preparing for my mission, can't have a girlfriend, those type of things. Um, so the thought had crossed my mind, but it, it was a, sh a shock. Like the rug had been pulled out from under me. First thing I did was drop to my knees. So Heavenly Father, how do I respond to this? And the answer was so clear, like you love him, love him unconditionally. Like, well, yeah, I can do that. I love him. It was a journey and a process to figure out what that really looked like, because you think, oh, I can't love, I can't condone. Um, yeah, I can love, but kept putting uh, stoppers on that, you know, qualifiers, which are ridiculous. But uh, it was a journey and a process to figure out what that really looked like. Uh, like when he, when he wasn't dating, that was a lot easier. Okay, life is good. All right. And then when he was dating and wanting to bring uh, someone that he loved and cared about home, then it's like, oh, what's this going to look like? What this, what's this going to feel like? And uh, when he got engaged and he is now married to a man, to a return missionary, I must say, it's what I prayed for. My kids would go up and marry a return missionary. He did it. Um. You know, none of those things were on my, my vision board. And it was a, a process and a journey and continually seeking guidance. And God's answer was always love, love him, love, love. And when I finally understood to just lean in to love and love my son and honor his agency, he was an adult, he was 24 years old when he came out, you know, that's the the hardest thing like we we fought for and voted for agency and we think agency is just great we're all for it until we have children <laughs> and we have teenagers and and then we're like wait hold it let's stop the agency thing um <laughs> I'm, I'm having almost teenagers right now so i get that <laughs> yeah so i don't even remember what your question was i've gone way off how did track, you feel probably. um well his question was was it a journey or did was you it accept a journey? it right away? That, but my thought it was a, yeah, oh. it was a journey. And I'm very open and raw and real about it in, in my book of our, our bumpy journey. Yeah. Like I would write a chapter and I'd send it to my son and he'd say, oh, that's really great, mom. But I remember you also, you said this. So you responded this way. And I think, oh, was I really that bad? So yeah, mom, they know the ending. They know the happy, loving ending. Um, let's take them through the real journey. Yeah. Yeah, get yeah, real. But, and that's yeah, how our book yeah. is too. Intentional courtship is all about like the the rough patches of, you know, like figuring out how to do divorce and yeah. singlehood and dating in your 30s and 40s and 50s. It's mm -hmm. it's um and it's a it's something that people have said, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Like anyone who's experienced that knows. And um, so I guess my follow-up question. <laughs> because I think any parent would like be very interested in knowing how did that feel when he finally brought, you know, someone he was interested in home and it wasn't the same, you know, the same sex as you had initially anticipated. Yeah. Well, first I was pleasantly surprised of how 
wonderful this person was and how kind and nice. And I don't know why I was surprised. Like my, my son would be dating and really caring about someone that was wonderful. And um, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was just kind of surprised. Like, oh, he's a really, he's a really great guy. Um, but yeah, it's different. For example, the following morning after we had met the, the, his boyfriend had come over for dinner and we played family games and such. And the next morning when my son called me, he said, so mom, what did you think? And I said, oh, he was really nice. It was good. I just thought of him as, you know, he was just you and your friend. And he said, mom, that hurts when you say that because he's more than a friend. He's someone that I really care about. And I, oh, yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be patient. Like this is really hard to wrap my mind around. And it was, it was a journey to embrace the reality of our situation, thinking how this is our reality and how are we going to, going to move forward? And I'd have to stop and, and ask myself is, is, and this was a journey in learning this too, um, is what I'm going to say or how I'm going to respond? Is this going to strengthen our relationship or uh, drive a wedge into our relationship? You know, family is central to God's plan. Family is most important. And so, you know, keeping those relationships together and strengthening them, focusing on strengthening them and keeping the lines of communication open uh, success to me is that my seven children and their spouses and grandchildren want to come home. They want to come over. They want to be around me. They want to be around each other. And we are a very diverse family. <laughs> Within our family, we have different race, different political views, different religions, um, different sexual orientation. So on paper, it looks like we should just always be fighting. But we're not. Like, we are the biggest each other's biggest cheerleaders and respect and, and love for one another. But that too was a journey. Like one of the chapters in my book is called House Divided because it was a journey and a process for each person to go on in um, you, you know, processing the new dynamics in our family and, and such. Um, yeah, it was, it's a process, but our focus, our our goal was to be united and loving to be a family and create that space where we want to be around each other. That's awesome. And I, I noticed that he responded with, this is how that feels for me so that you could, he could help you understand how he needed support. Yes, he was so good. And that's what was, it was so helpful for my husband and I, because he would do that. He would call us out and he'd say that that's really hurtful when you say that. And this is why. And he's and the only one who so can really helpful. do that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's good. Cause yeah. we, we encourage um, people who may be experiencing similar feelings in their families. If no one else has been divorced and they're feeling like an outcast to be able to speak up for themselves and be able to say, Hey, this would really help me out if, you know, X, Y, Z. And I know like from my, um, my, first husband's family, there was one person in particular who stayed in touch with me, who went to the temple with me, who grieved with me and who remained my friend. And she didn't pick sides. She continued being supportive of him and me. And that meant the world to me. I mean, cause you not only lose a spouse, you lose like a whole extended family. And, yeah. um, and it's, it's interesting how lovingly she showed up and not that long later, she also had an LGBTQ sign come out. 
And I think she was up for the challenge because of how she chose to lean into love with me and mm-hmm. others, you know, in maybe similar situations that maybe aren't, uh, like you said, they're not the tr- traditional original vision board, you know, ideals. Um, but anyway, I see a lot of what you're doing in her and her and you, and I think that's amazing. If I could ask you something too, along these lines, going back a little bit, you talked about how, you know, one of your first reactions when you found out about your son uh, and his orientation was you were thinking, I can't condone, you know, and We've experienced that in another, you know, in another realm, of course, we're talking about divorce. Uh, but I think there is a, a certain mentality among a number of church members that uh, I, I have to be careful about who I associate with if there's a divorce, because I don't want to pick the wrong side or I don't want mm-hmm. to condone something that somebody's done. And, you know, we, we probably did that ourselves before before we went through it. And so, I mean, I think uh, it, it's not necessarily that we're, if we're ministering to somebody trying to show love and so forth, it doesn't necessarily mean that we endorse everything they do or, uh, you know, choices that they make. It's, it's well, it's, it's what you said at the beginning that love is the answer. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, somebody had an affair or, you know, did something that we consider to be sinful. Uh, I don't think it's up to us uh, to, to make judgments about who's at fault and to take sides and, and that sort of thing. And I, I mean, I, I would guess that the same kind of, well, that maybe your son has had the same kind of experiences where people don't mm-hmm. want to condone and they don't know exactly what to you know, what to do or how to react to him. Right. And your daughter, for that matter, who's also divorced. Mm-hmm. And she's remarried now. It's great to see her happy again and to have, have um, that joy back in Good. her life. That's great. Yeah. And the, the blended family. And it, it's been um, fun to watch that. And that's, yeah, as you know, that's a, a journey in itself. And, and I'm just, yeah, so proud of her and, and a lot of great lessons and things have been learned through that. Um, I forget your question. <laughs> well, the question was kind of how do we get past that, oh, the, that uh, social and cultural? Yes. I can't condone what somebody does. And if I be nice to them, I'm condoning what they're doing, you know? Right. And again, I think it goes back to like, we're all imperfect beings. And so, you know, offering each other uh, grace, being kind and compassionate and, uh, you know, listening. Listening is a, is a great tool to helping to increase understanding, but just kindness. I, again, you know, the savior, um, he, he was an, the exemplar of outreach and loving and and being with those that on paper he shouldn't have been with. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were people that judged him. And he, he showed us how to lean in with love and how to make people feel important and that they belong. 
Um, and that's what brings people to Christ. And that's what strengthens families is that our relationships is that uh, leaning into that, that compassion and empathy and truly seeking to understand and letting go of the things that you can't control. And really the only thing we can control is the way we respond and act to a, a situation. Just throw the word condone out the window. It's like, they know, people know your, your values. <laughs> they know right. you don't need to lecture or preach. Like they know, they just need you to love them and let them know that you care about them. Well, and whatever they're going through is hard enough. I mean, yes, that's usually the conclusion I've come to. And it, I, I, the thought has come to me as you've been talking about, well, if the, if the savior spent time with the people he shouldn't have, then he condoned all of that. If that, if that's a word that right. we're going to keep, right. So right. we're going to throw it out. I, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. And also the shouldn't have is possibly even a judgment sometimes we make. And if he did then he absolutely should have, you know, like right. the, the things we think we shouldn't do are the things we should do in the name of love right. rather than, and then throw out the condoning, throw out the judgment and just, um, like, like you said, lean into the compassion, the love, the empathy, mm -hmm. and let every human be loved rather than, you know, judged and condemned. And right. I, yeah, love that message. I mean, I think in, you know, in your situation, it would be natural, I guess, with the strong beliefs that we have to be worried about it and, and that sort of thing. But I also think one of the things that I have had to lean into um, <clears throat> being divorced twice is, uh, you know, that wasn't kind of like, like we've talked about already, that wasn't what I thought God's plan for me was you know, could divorce possibly be part of God's plan for me? Was that part of the script? You know, is that really my path? And coming to terms with that was really difficult because of what you said, we place the family on such a, a pedestal and it's, it's central to our, our faith. And so it, it just strikes me, I guess, that, you know, it, it's hard to imagine, I'm sure, for someone in your shoes, especially at the beginning, could this really be part of God's plan? You know, mm -hmm. I, I think we have to understand maybe that God is going to be working us ten, working with us 10 million years from now. Yeah. And that he's, you know, he works in mysterious ways. He knows things we don't. If I had been, if I had known how things were going to turn out, that I was going to be with this wonderful woman and just the way my life would be now you know doubled the number of kids I had with steps and all of those things I wouldn't have worried so much it wouldn't have yeah. been so you know painful and I think maybe to, to some degree I didn't trust enough that God knew mm -hmm. what he was doing I thought mm -hmm. the cosmos is out of balance you know God's plan has been thwarted and I don't think we can thwart God's plan, you know? Right, right. The one thing I have learned on my journey is to love, love one another, lean into that commandment to love and trust God, trust him in the process. Mm. Like though, that's my two words. I often wear a, 
um, two bracelets, one that says love and one that says trust <laughs> mm. to remind me to do that love and then trust God in the process. Cause nobody loves us or our family more than our heavenly parents. Like they are working hard to, they want us all to return. So they're, they're working on that. So trust them with the process and the things we all have to learn. Our focus is to focus on those relationships, strengthening those relationships, keeping God in the equation uh, and trusting him, trusting him with the process. Yeah, I love that. Love and trust. It's great. And can I, how, how many years had your daughter been married when she went through her divorce? Um, you can say roughly. Seven, I know, seven years. Okay, so she had two young, she had two young children. Which she, complicates it and makes it harder for sure. What did you do in the wake of that to help be supportive and, you know, to do for her whatever you could? Yeah, well, her and her sweet children moved in with us. And that was, that was a gift to, to be there for her and support her as, you know, she was having to, to go to work each day and, and she was able to um, bring her home her work home but still that's hard to do your work when you have two young kids so it was great to to um, be there and help her and, and support her in that and she had 50 50 custody with her with their father and so navigating that and and um yeah and keeping keeping that balance because when you have 50 50 you're you're seeing that the you know the person that that um is no longer your son-in-law <laughs> and um and just you know keeping that loving space and that trust and uh yeah it it was difficult but good difficult but good yeah we have a 50 50 arrangement with my two boys and that's um i think it's we've you know we've made it work uh at first it was really challenging and now it's routine so yeah yeah um, you know, I was, I was thinking maybe of going to um, some of the questions that we were wondering about in anticipation of this interview with you. Um, what specific complications do you think might be in the way of loving boldly um, for like middle-aged singles, um, for instance? Like, so I, you know what's been in your way and you know, mm -hmm. you know all the things that you've gone through to overcome that, but I just kind of wanted to, we wanted to discuss what might be in the way of leaning yeah, into love. It's a great question. I was thinking of that. What would the complications be? And the things that came to mind was uh, maybe, well, fear, fear that you'd be misunderstood, fear of rejection, um, fear of condoning, you know, all those, those things that we've, that we've talked about. Maybe so fear of losing the, again. Lost fear of losing more. again. Yeah. Yes. Fear of loss again and not wanting to feel that, that pain again. So, um, yeah, those kind of would complicate things because it, it makes people withdraw, um, kind of paralyzes you because you're, you're afraid of that rejection or the pain. And, uh, again, so, Again, then that boils down to, so um, if I'm wanting to strengthen this relationship, then I've got to lean into love and trust God and trust. And it's, it's often so hard to, to step into the, to the unknown. 
because as human beings, our brains, I think, automatically go to the worst case scenario that we're playing out in our mind. And uh, we need to stop doing that and, yeah. and trust that the best scenario is going to happen. And if it, you know, if it's not the best, that it's okay. We're going to keep working, working at it and leaning in and trusting. Yeah, I think that you're totally spot on because in our love and leaders years community, that's what we see a lot of fear. And um, especially for people who are being really honest with themselves about what's in the way. Um, that's even a chapter in our book, what's in the way? And the answer is fear mm. and overcoming yeah. fear is our next the next chapter because it's um yeah. that's a big issue. And um a couple of things that we've found can help eliminate the fear and help us lean into love is first of all, to recognize that whatever loss we've had is, you know, it's just one person's choice and billions of people, you know, it doesn't make us unlovable. It doesn't make us anything. It's just one person's choice. If we're, right. you know, if we were left or, you know, if somebody didn't love us as much as they could have, um, <clears throat> and then the other is what Jeff was talking about earlier that, um, perhaps it was God, God's plan all along to have that be a temporary relationship, even though it's not mm -hmm. what we thought it would be when right. we initially, cause we never go into marriage thinking this is temporary. Um, but you know, he knows he, he knows. And, mm -hmm. um, we have a friend actually who recently pointed out, cause I know in the temple, I learned that both of my sub my previous marriages and subsequent divorces were part of God's plan for me. And mm -hmm. I always just thought that was personal revelation and it was, but she said, I believe that the grafting of the olive tree, the branches, mm -hmm. that that is divorce. That like, sometimes we have to remove something unhealthy from our lives to make a healthier, you know, overall picture. And, um, and I'd never really thought of that, but I think it kind of goes with what Jeff's belief now is that, um, if divorce is something you experienced, it's part of your path. It can be accepted mm -hmm. as part and trusted. I think this is kind of goes back to what you were saying. If you trust God, then you don't believe that something's gone terribly wrong and that he's forsaken you or abandoned you because you experienced this. This is just part of your life experience. Right. It's, it's part of your learning and, and growth. Like if we look at this earth life as a classroom instead of a test mm -hmm. that right. that helps to switch that make that paradigm shift to like it's a classroom every experience is an opportunity to learn and grow and be better from it and you know move forward um better from what you've experienced and what you've learned uh yeah so life life is a classroom um, mm -hmm. not a test <laughs> I love that because I we've always heard that term in church you know we're here as a, we're to be tested um now classroom makes more sense and does yes <laughs> well there are that tests helps in, me to look at it like that no. there are tests in classrooms <laughs> but, yeah but that's um, like more like moments rather than your whole life yeah and each day is a is a new day to start a new and uh to move forward and you know better and yeah it's not a, a test you got an f okay you failed like, no this is all a learning and growing experience yeah i think it's interesting that you pointed to fear as being the thing that's in the way because scripturally i mean fear is the opposite of love perfect love mm -hmm. casteth out fear and so forth yeah. um 
and you know we read uh for god hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mind uh and, and i i think about that a lot of the time when things happen in my life that don't really fit the program as i understood it before yeah yeah you know with that i i'd like to move to my next question which is um, what specific complications are in the way of loving boldly for later married couples with blended families? And you have, you have one and we I are one. Um, so maybe you could speak to that and what you've observed in your own child with that, that scenario. Yeah, you have to be, uh, what I've experienced is be in, intentional about, um, building that relationship with each, with each child and in, in a blended family and making each person feel special and important and that you really care about them. Like you need to be, you have to be an intentional about that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, um, doing things that that person likes to do, finding out their interests and, and doing things that make them feel, feel special. Um, and yeah, there's so many dynamics there to the to the blended <laughs> the blended families and and again uh complications would be that that dang fear thing again <laughs> or that fear of rejection or you know the fearing feeling hurt but uh the same solution like leaning in into love and being intentional about um strengthening each relationship and making them feel special and needed and belong and an important part of the family and so and needed um, you have to be intentional about those things yeah you know our, our book is intentional courtship and we've talked about um eventually writing a, a book about intentional marriage and eventually and intentional splendid family arrangements you know um and as I've pondered what's in the way for loving boldly. Um, uh, yeah, I think fear can definitely be part of it. Even past traumas can get in the way of a, right. a, a future yeah. marriage or a current marriage. So, you know, if, if it's from the past, um, I know Jeff and I, you know, even in within our marriage, we've had to overcome some of the past traumas to be able to love more boldly yeah. in our marriage. And um, I guess I've thought some of the things in the way might be ill feelings towards a former spouse or a mm -hmm. former, you know, in-law um, that can get in the way of like family gatherings and, you know, and, and communicating um, with a co-parent. Um, let's see what else. <laughs> There's all sorts of complications. Like yes. Um, and right. it, some, so some of it might be lack of peace. Like, mm -hmm. so not just fear, but kind of a lack of resolve and um, maybe even some, I guess, heated feelings, you know, in the interactions that we have, like, um, and that's, and this is something we're still figuring out. I guess this is why we yeah. haven't written the book yet, because we're still like figuring it out <laughs> mm -hmm. and maybe, and it's a work in progress. Um, because there's not one blanket answer for all and solution for all. Like every family is individual and every person, you know, your dynamics are, mm -hmm. are so different. Um, and the there kind are of certain, boundaries too that you have to create. Right. Certain people are going to be different right. than others. Right. 
Right. I think when you're when you're focused on creating that that unity and that um, strengthening those relationships, and that helps you to move forward and to have be open to inspiration on and how to deal with a situation or circumstance. But um, yeah, but it's it's a process. Mm -hmm. I do think that one one uh, one thing we've found it for ourselves, and I think also for our coaching clients and the people that we work with in Love and Later Years community, that um, the best thing you can do for a future marriage is work on you, and yeah. the best thing you can do to show up in a health and and create a healthy relationship with someone is to be healthy yourself. And so I think as much as you can while you're single to find that peace and then continue to try and find that peace as you continue and navigate. But I, I think as people do that, they, they become some of the most resilient and the mm -hmm. most um, capable people of having a really successful marriage because of all the work they do to get there. Does that make right. sense? Ab absolutely. Like, you know, that was one of the things I had had jotted down in my notes when I was pondering these, these questions too, was that, that self-care and offering that, that self, the compassion and, and forgiveness for your, to yourself and that grace to yourself. And, and, um, you have to be able to be at peace and love yourself before you can really extend that love to another. You have to believe that you are lovable and worthy and capable of, of love. And so that, that self-care piece is so yeah. vital. And when you're freshly divorced, that can feel impossible. Yes. So it's a big yeah. process of being able to, to get yeah. out of that loss and grieve it and right. then set it aside and be able to grow your confidence again. Right. That's what was so hard as, as a parent watching that with my daughter, my, my beautiful daughter that is so gifted and talented and just beautiful in every way um you know to just to be shattered and and crushed and you could you know her self-confidence and and have to to build that that up again and um and it's not something you can do for them it has to come to within them too and doing doing the uh doing the work you can i could shower her all day long and tell her how beautiful and how loved she is but you have to um, do your own work too through that and um, to, to get that, that self-belief. And then what a beautiful thing is I, you know, watched her, watched that come back and her confidence grow. And as you said, that, that resilience and um, that, that peace and joy to be restored is a beautiful thing as a mother to watch. That's awesome. You know, um, I, I was just thinking about, um, the church's efforts lately to be more inclusive and aware of how many mid singles we have. I mean, I, half of the church's adults are, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, more than half. And yeah. so all the, all this time we've been feeling like we don't belong. We absolutely belong. for <laughs> uh, the big body of the church. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, they had a fireside for ages 30 and up. And that, that, those are the people we serve. And um, we always say anybody beyond the possibility of a first marriage in their 20s is a mid-single to us. That's, that's mm -hmm. everyone that we serve. Yeah. Everything gets more complicated after that. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and um, anyway, so the church had a had a fireside for that age um, bracket of, of singles, and they interviewed people who were both divorced, widowed, and later married. And it's interesting how they were very clear about who was widowed and had never had not yet married but like they didn't say anything about the reason why the divorced people were single like almost mm -hmm. as if like inadvertently like it was a shameful thing yeah. to say and like we don't want to admit that that's among us yeah oh and, and anyway we didn't it didn't go unnoticed by us and mm -hmm. um that's something i actually realized the next day that i still feel like every once in a while i still feel a little bit of shame about it and it's like, why? It's just a life experience. Yeah. And so, I mean, what we would encourage everyone to do is just to have it be a life experience and not have it mm -hmm. be something we have to wear like a scarlet letter, you know, it's the scarlet letter D. Um, but be able to just say it with confidence that, you know, that was an experience I had and that's okay. <laughs> you right. know, I think there's, there's confidence that come when you own your reality. Mm -hmm. You know, I discovered that uh, after my, my son came out, like we didn't start talking about this publicly for two years after he came out. Like I was before that, I, I was fine just being the family secret because I was, I, I didn't know how people were going to respond and, and would they think I'm a, I was a horrible mother or, and I, I didn't want them being unkind to my son or treat him differently. So this was just going to be our family secret. But as we became public about it and talking about it, like as we embrace, like, this is our reality. And I know we're not the only family, like mm -hmm. every family knows someone with either within their family or their friend circle or neighbor or coworker, you know, everyone knows someone that is LGBTQ. So why are we tiptoeing around this subject and, and being shameful around it? Like just own the reality and move forward in the, the best possible positive way in creating a good life for, for you and your son and your, you know, the family just moving forward. So I think as you, what you said is like, yeah, just, just embracing like this was my experience and own it. I think there there's power that comes with that and the confidence that helps you to, yeah, to just normalize it. Like this is my reality and, you know, eliminate that shame. Mm -hmm. and I love to be the able way to we are able forward. to relate you know it's a different it's a different um dynamic but it's a similar feeling that mm -hmm. you know can I be open about this and can I you know like you said it it, it it can create more confidence in being able to just own your reality and say it as fact and not be ashamed right so because so often again we go to worst case scenario people are going to judge us they're going to think bad about me it's like um let's not worry about that <laughs> right yeah. let, me, let me ask you on that too did you um ever blame yourself for your son going the way he did or your daughter getting divorced or any of that stuff were there ever moments when you questioned whether you were a good mother um often more so now I question that as my children are adults and um, family gatherings, they love to bring up things that you said or did when they were growing up. Make, wow, I wasn't the greatest parent that I thought I was. 
Yeah, um, you look at what they focus on and you think, that's what you remember <laughs> from your childhood? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's remember what... all the, the good times and the good things? Yeah. Um, yeah, so so those things did cross my mind on my initial talk with my son coming out. Like, I, I wondered, like, what? Like, he knew that was probably going to my mind and he addressed it. Mom, there was nothing that you or dad did. Like, there was nothing that happened to me that caused this. Like, I couldn't have asked for better parents. I think you that know, was in he, the video, right? The, yeah, like yeah. he knew um, that was probably going through my mind. And that first night he talked to us, he said, no, mom, it's nothing. Like, we had, we had family prayers. We read scriptures. We had family home evening. We went to church every week. We were, you know, we were doing the things. And this, this was not a result of something missed or something that, that was done. And, um, and probably I even if you that, hadn't done those things, it, it wouldn't have been different. No, wouldn't have been any, exactly. It wouldn't have been any different. No, but those things did empower me with, with tools <laughs> to be able to, uh, that's what I am so grateful for, for the gospel. Like, I don't know how people do this earth life thing, <laughs> the gospel, because I feel like that's where my strength comes from mm -hmm. and, um, turning to God and guidance and listening for his, his, um, guidance and, and navigate, helping me navigate this and the strength and all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I, I have observed among divorcees is uh, parents and loved ones will sometimes be concerned with that was a temple marriage. Now, what is the state of this person's soul? And I, I think we see that with LGBTQ family members too. The family will will be worried about well that person's left the church or has decided to follow that life, and you know they're not going to be part of our eternal family. So how have you navigated those doctrines and the the thoughts that we could easily have about them? Yeah. So for for myself, I firmly believe we're going to be an eternal family. Yeah. So I just, I just trust God. I don't know the process. I don't know right. what all this is going to look like, but I hold on to that. Like, no, nope, this is my family and we are an internal family and I'm not going to stress and worry how all that, that piece or piece is going to look like, or make myself sick over thinking it's not going to happen. It's like, I, I believe we're an eternal family and I'm leaving it up to God. He sees the beginning from the end and, um, just trusting him in, in the process. That's awesome. You know, I, when I was facing the temple divorce process, um, the ceiling cancellation request, uh, if you will, I was really concerned because I had a bishop tell me, well, your children will be choosing which parent to go with, because if you're not sealed to each other, then they have to choose and they're going to choose whichever one, you know, is most righteous. And I, you know, I, I firmly believed at the time that, um, my former spouse thought he was the most righteous and that maybe he was right. And, you know, I mean, not just all these stupid judgments, yeah. right. Um, and then I talked to my state president cause I was like, this just does not feel right. Like mm -hmm. this cannot be right. And he said, you will take into the next life, whatever relationships you build in this one. And I think what you just said is a, a a really good example. Um, you said like 
we'll be together because we want to be together. It's because we've created that. You are creating those relationships. And like, don't worry about how that's all going to work. Like, because I think that's what he was basically saying. Like, just you'll keep the relationships you develop and, you know, don't worry about it. Right. And, and for me, it's like, we don't know how, how much time we have here in this earth life with our, with our children and create that space that they want to choose to be with me. <laughs> the right. other side. They get that choice that they, they want to choose that, you know? So yeah, I just, the, the love and trust, just trusting, trusting God. And that's that, where the agency um, is beautiful if it ends up working that way, right? Yes. Well, I think the millennium is a thousand years. Like we can't even comprehend all of that. It's like, I'm not going to stress and worry about it. Just going to live my best life, create that loving space in my, in my home, keep my, my covenants and uh, trust in the end. It's, it's going to be a good ending. Yeah. yeah awesome. You know, I, I um, have a good friend who, I've known for more than 30 years and uh, his father was a stake president and they, um, uh, the father was almost like a second father to me in many ways. Uh, one oh, of the, this is the swearing stake president. Yeah. One That's of the, how he was known. That's the best. <laughs> one of the most uh, spiritual people I knew, but yeah, he, he had a kind of a salty tongue. And, but he, here he was, you know, he, he was the, a cowboy. He always wore Western stuff. He was a college professor too, but I mean, he would go up every weekend and work on the family ranch. Well, he had a son, not, not the one that I'm the closest to, but a different son who came out as gay shortly after his mission. And um, I think they didn't know exactly what to do because they were so devout. Uh, and, and it took them a little time to find their way. At least that's the way they tell it. Um, but it's the same as you've described, kind of that when their son comes to their family Christmas party or other family events, he brings his husband. And, and I said, I, I said to my friend, how does that, uh, how does that work? with you know with the husband and he said he's part of the family Mm -hmm. and uh you know I think they look at it kind of like well maybe that's not what we would have chosen for for him but uh people marry people their kids don't want or their parents would rather they not marry all the time and you know I don't have to my kids don't have to marry someone I would have chosen for me to treat that person as a member of my family. Right. And I think, and, and, um, well, I often, I, I share this story that like within the same time frame, um, I don't know if it was the same week, but it was like close together. We had two children that moved in with their boyfriends, mm. a son and a daughter. And we thought, what is happening to our eternal family? <laughs> like that, oh, you know, that, that shook us. And I said, to, you know, to my husband, you know, we have to, to love and embrace. We have to, to react to this situation with open arms 
or why would our son and daughter want to come home and be around us? Why would their non-member boyfriends want to have anything to do with us or to learn know anything about the gospel if the very people that they know are going to church every Sunday are so judgmental and cruel? So that doesn't make any sense. We have to love. And we did. I'm so glad we did. Like we just leaned in into love and um and welcomed them in our home. Now our, our kids knew that this was hard for us. They they grew up in our home. So they knew <laughs> that this was hard for us. And it just meant the world to them that we were were loving their their partners. And I'm glad we leaned into that love because our daughter's boyfriend is is her husband and they have three beautiful children together. And he's he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And our son and his boyfriend, they broke up and that was a hard breakup. Like we had grown to love and, and care about him. And then as I mentioned at the beginning, he'd read, he had, you know, he's married to a return missionary now. Um, a wonderful, a, a wonderful guy. They are both, you know, they're, they're great men doing great things and living great lives. And that's just, that's our reality. And it, was not what I envisioned for my son, but I, I'm grateful that he did choose wisely and he chose a good person to be in a relationship, a committed relationship with. And that's, it's just our reality. And they're all welcomed and loved in our home. Okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. Um, that actually leads us to a question that Jeff was wondering um, prior to the interview, we were hoping to know if you, would advocate for the church to change anything about how it approaches LGBTQ concerns? Yeah, I, I don't um, advocate for doctrinal change. Like that's, that's not my place, <laughs> but cultural, yes. Um, and I think it, it is improving. Like our, our church leaders um, have been encouraging uh, that love and outreach and ministering that's great church website there's a lot of great videos to help families in navigating this and stories on there um so i think that you know it it's great that the conversations now are happening happening and um but it's i'm advocating greatly for cultural change in loving and anyone who who wants to um, to step through those chapel doors, who has that that courage, should feel nothing but love, and um, and know that they they belong. Slide over on that that bench and welcome whoever whoever wants to come. Um, yeah, that's what I advocate for is awesome. is come more kindness and compassion and empathy and seeking to understand. And, and that comes through listening to one another's experiences and, and stories and well, drop and the judgment. Pondering too. Cause so Jeff has this like kind of silly scenario that helps like, I think people understand. It's a thought experiment. Yeah, a thought experiment. Uh -huh. What if one day we were all asked to divorce our same or our opposite sex partners and mm -hmm. get into same sex relations. And those are the only people who are allowed at church or in the temple or, you know, I mean, it just, everything is completely yep. flipped upside down. How would we handle that? <laughs> that was a scenario that our son asked us, yeah. which it does. It makes you think, oh, 
well, you know, if you had your same attraction, that you were attracted to the opposite sex, but yet you were in, in the church, you can only marry the same sex. Like, yeah. then it, it helps you to step in the shoes and like, oh, that would be hard. Yeah. And I think yeah. people could do the same thing if, if you've been married. How many years have you been married? Um, 38 years. Yeah. So if you've been married 38 years or however long and you've never experienced divorce, mm -hmm. I know you, you probably came as close to it as you possibly could with your daughter. Um, but you know, if you just never have had that experience or have witnessed it up close, you could ask yourself, what if that were to happen? You know, yeah. what if one day I found out, you know, that my spouse isn't who he says he is. And, you know, mm -hmm. we ended right here and now, like, how would right. I call that? Like, I think yeah. those are the kinds of the questions that can really help us understand people. Yeah, and understand absolutely. Situations we haven't experienced. Yep. Absolutely. No, th this kind of reminds me of, of, I don't know why, but it, it reminds me of a friend who um, has a son that's gay. And he also has three daughters that are kind of right now in the process of leaving the church. And he and his wife have like eight kids. So half of their kids are kind of going a different direction than they might have liked. And he's told me on a few occasions, I failed as a father. He was mm -hmm. a former bishop, very devout. Um, what would you say to him or to any parent who is feeling like, I've failed as a parent because my kids left the church, because my kids gotten divorced, because my kids um, come out as gay or wh whatever the, the situation might be. What would you say to those parents? Yeah. Yeah. Make space for those who see things differently. I mean, we have to make that space for everyone in our family to want to be together. Um, make space. I love that too. Lean in, make space. <laughs> our our heavenly parents, the most perfect parents had children that chose different, different way <laughs> that were outcast. Um, yeah, that, that self, that self blame. And I think as parents, we all, we all go there. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the scriptures helped me to, to kind of put that back in perspective. Like there's no perfect parents like this we're learning and, and, and growing. And when children, when people we love are stepping away, having that, a faith crisis or stepping away from church, it's, it's so important to, to still to, to um, just be so respectful. Um, I jotted down a couple of things uh, that president Bednar, I think it was no Ballard, that president Ballard. Oh, I didn't. I thought I put, oh yeah, yeah, I did. President Ballard said, uh, and how to, to respond to this is don't preach or lecture, mm. listen to understand and validate and accept and love them fully. The first step in building loving relationships is listening and accepting the person for who they are. And that that's the, and I will you know, testify to that. <laughs> That's, no, that's beautiful. That's that's a, 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 a so key is that listening and expect and accepting that person. And again, I know I sound like I'm on repeat. That love and trust, trusting God in the in the process. Um, our children. I I often say if they can feel our love, that we love them, 
no matter what, and even if that we are there for them, that we love them, then they can believe in a loving God mm -hmm. and feel their heavenly father's love or open that, that space to be able to, to feel, uh, God's love. Um, you know what? Yeah. I just thought maybe that's why he needs us to do that. Like we're, we're providing space for others here on earth to feel his love. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, um, I have a child that kind of stepped away from the faith a few years ago. And I, I think deep down, he still believes that he gives indications of it once in a while, but he hasn't found his way back at this point. And I kind of adopt the same attitude you talked about where I just think he'll be back. It's, it's a matter of time. We'll be an eternal family. It's gonna be okay. And I just trust God to take care of that. But I remember being really concerned about it when it first happened. And I went to, um, I saw his therapist. I was seeing his therapist separately, um, just family counseling kind of thing. And uh, so I discussed this with her and she said, well, you can love the church and you can love him. And it's not so much a matter of choosing, but he has to know that your love for him is not conditional upon his mm -hmm. being in the church. And, you know, I, there's a person in my family who would say, well, at least you've got a name, my children that are still in the church. Mm -hmm. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do, do that. that. That's no. uh, I, I have, you know, X number of children. One is not more important than the other. Right. Um, regardless of what choices they've made or. Right. And our, our love made. for our children should never be based on uh, their choices. Like right. God's love for us is not based on conditions. He loves Thank us heavens. fully. Exactly. Thank heavens. <laughs> he loves us for who we are. And that's, that's how our children, our children should know that we love them for who they are and that we're proud of them for who they are and and again just just trust in the process we don't know that the things that they have to learn but i my greatest lessons come through my children like i am i never thought i'd say that i'm grateful for a gay son but i am i'm grateful for a gay son and all the other perfectly imperfect children that god sent me because they have taught me so much and has helped me to uh I think to, to strengthen Christ-like characteristics, like I still have a long ways to go, but I mean, compassion, empathy, and kindness, and, and grace, and forgiveness. Most of those things came through my children, experiencing th the things that we did through our children. And so I'm grateful for that. Wouldn't trade it. You know, I think we could just continue asking question after question all night and we would I do have so one much. more I want to get in. Though. Okay. Okay. Let's ask that question and then I'll say it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And this is, a, this is kind of a big subject and I know we don't have time for like a full interview on it, but we know that um, the suicide rate among people going through a divorce is three times the national average. Mm -hmm. And uh, among among men, it can be as high as nine times the national average. Um, now, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why men and women are different that way in a divorce situation. But 
we also know that I think among LGBT um, youth, mm -hmm. there is a higher rate of suicide than their peers. Um, and, and you've got both of those things that have occurred in your family, not suicide, mm -hmm. thank heavens, but um, I'd like you to speak to that a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of this is reiterating the same things, but what do you watch for? How do you, you know, try to help a loved one that, I mean, I was never suicidal, but I did lose my will to live for a while going through my divorce. Yeah. I mm -hmm. understand why people do it actually. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so if you could speak to that a little bit, that would be helpful. Yeah. Some of the things that I, that I um, put tools, I put in my toolbox was the, the QPR, the QPR training, which is the, the question persuade and re refer training. Um, oh yeah, that's what that is. And the, wondering about and that. The, the, the first aid, the mental health first aid for, for youth went through a training course for that and a, a grief course that was through the, the world's spiritual um, health organization to put those tools in my pocket because so many of the LGBTQ that were reaching out to me were suicidal yeah. or had, ex had attempted or, um, and so I wanted to be able to better help to, to be able to, you know, refer them to, to professionals or, or, you know, people that could, that could truly help them to, but to be able to have those conversations, because it's a myth that if we talk about suicide, it's going to create suicide. It's yeah, the, the contrary, but, but talking and, and asking and, and knowing, you know, the signs to, to look for that being withdrawn, withdrawing and, and changes in personality and, and, and such or, a um, lot of different clues, and sometimes there aren't any clues. But um, I, it, it's important to be sensitive um, to those those issues and and to watch for those. Create that safe space so that your loved ones um, feel safe to to tell you when they're they're struggling when they're hurting and when they're, when they're down or they're having the, those suicidal thoughts, but um, that the QPR training, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's something that it can be an online course um, through Zoom or uh, an in-person course. And I know there's a lot of uh, awards that are bringing in Q, QPR training to teach youth leaders what to look for um, or in the workspace to have the, the QPR our training. I went through that training, but I, I don't teach the course. I mean, I, I could, but I never have. I, I learned it through my, put my own tools in the toolbox. Say but the words are, again, QPR. QPR. And their website is qprinstitute.com. And okay. the Q stands for question. P stands for, for um, oh my, what did I say? I should know this. Persuade. Persuade. <laughs> and the R is refer. Okay. Yes. It's a, um, yeah, it, it helps people recognize those, those warning signs um, for suicide and it's designed to help to save a life. And it is a, a really good uh, program and tools in that toolbox because mental health, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's big. It's so big a lot of 
audience members, friends, please check out that, that website, mm -hmm. particularly if you have a child that's come out as, as uh, LGBTQ or uh, if you have a, a loved one going through divorce at whatever age, yep. um, you may be able to help save a life uh, either from suicide or from just terrible depression for years. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, so so what I was going to say, and um, I think we, well, I, I'm so glad you were able to, to, to talk about that because actually we were wondering about your training and how how that affects, you know, the way you interact and the support you're able to give, um, grief support and uh, mental health first aid, uh, you know, in addition to the QPR, I mean, that's all really important um, work and, and it's loving. You're loving people through that skill that you've, you've developed um, and that's awesome. And I, I just, it kind of goes back to the, the answer to every question is love. <laughs> you know, every, if you keep asking the yeah. question, you're probably going to continue saying something along those lines. And it's really quite profound. It's simple. It's not easy all the time. It's like, like you said, right. it's messy and it can be complicated, but it, mm -hmm. it is the thing that you keep going back to lean into love and, um, you know, we've touched on a lot of topics that we've we've addressed in the past. Like uh, our last guest was Dr. Greg Bear. I don't know if you've read his book, mm -hmm. but um, Real Love is his is his passion and that unconditional, you know, loving um, manner that we can develop in ourselves towards others, um, independent of other people's choices, independent of you know so what we might want in return just loving and um and as you know we've had Gainal and Condi on the show and we we talked about mental health and suicide risk factors with her as well um I I believe we have a mutual friend in common uh Dennis Schleicher he hasn't yes, been on the show Dennis. yet yeah Dennis is great um I know he's he's doing a lot of outreach efforts to uh -huh. help um help people understand that you know his faith as a as a member of our church our church mm -hmm. as an lgbtq um you know as a as a gay man who um who's a convert and very active in our faith and mm -hmm. you know just to help people um feel heard and understood and loved and cared for and um i just i love what you're doing for parents and also for children of parents who you know, are navigating all of this stuff within the church and figuring out how to move forward and be a family and be loving. And um, I appreciate that you were willing to come talk to us and be able to also relate to our audience who are primarily mid-singles and later married couples with blended families who have some similar challenges with regards to um, figuring out where they fit, how they, how they belong and how, um, they can move forward and, and have love in their lives again. So I think Thanks. maybe the definition that I, that sort of distills on me after all this conversation is maybe loving boldly is loving freely without restraint or conditions. Excellent. And judgments. Yep. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for having this conversation and, and inviting me to be a guest and, 
And I love these real conversations because um, I think so many more than we think can can relate and they need to, to hear these difficult conversations that shouldn't be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, we so appreciate having you uh, come on and we'll say to our audience, remember that anytime is a great time for more love in your life. We'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.